In previous episodes, we've talked about how little habits every single day can compound into something a lot larger. Today's episode is all about self-harm. There's this interesting question of whether or not self-harm is the symptom or if it's maybe the escalation to a larger issue that's at hand. Let's jump into that. Are you asking yourself the important questions? What kind of growth are you chasing? Can you repackage fear as incentive? Where does what you know end and who you are begin? If you're ready to take a deep dive into introspective mechanics, welcome to the Inspire Here podcast, where two boss women have open, organic conversation on all things philosophy, self-improvement, and evolution. Get aligned with your core values, discover your vision, and elevate your essence to the very next level. Here are your hosts, Queen Benjarat and Shivali Patel. I think the spectrum of self-harm is a really large one. So Queen, what would you say is self-harm in your opinion? What would you classify it as? I would say that self-harm is the things or the acts that we do unconsciously. Uh, We thought that it's good for us, but somehow it's not. So self-harm come in different forms and different actions. And some of us cannot validate it at all if it's really a self-harm action to yourself or not. So that's why we're going to be discussing here, right, on this episode. Maybe the things that you see as a self-harm, but I don't. Or the thing that I think that is really great for me, but you think it's not. I think self-harm is very wide. That's why I kind of started off with stating that before asking you what you felt self-harm was. Because a lot of times in medical usage, you classify it as something as maybe an eating disorder or cutting yourself or manifesting your anger in a very physical way. But self-harm, I think, is all of those things, yes. But it's also simple things like neglecting your own wants and needs. It also comes in the form of maybe putting other people before yourself too often, too frequently. I mean, what are some ideas that you have? Do you have anything like that in mind that you can think of? Eating. You just mentioned that. I want to clarify it a little bit more because eating, it can also mean that when you choose unhealthy food. Like yesterday, I wanted to have McDonald's, KFC, Burger King, and it just because I was tired and I thought that those are like comfort food will make me feel much better but I decided not to order them but the first thought that was the thing that I wanted to go to because I think that it would help me emotional support me like with eating some people when they are overly stressed they wanted to eat something that unhealthy and overeating as well and for some they also shut off and they don't eat at all which two of these are the extreme that One, you can, in the future, can turn into having obesity. And the other one, you could have anorexia. So both eating without conscious, without choosing the right nutrition and what would support your health, it actually, in the future, in the long run, if you continue doing it, could lead you into the mental issues as well. You know, like the little things that we think that it's okay to do, but actually it's not. Yes, I think things that can prove to be detrimental to you in the long term, even if they feel okay in the present moment, let's say, for example, you're turning to alcohol or drugs. Maybe you don't think much of it. Alcohol 
and drugs both are things that excessive use of is terrible for you. But when we talk about moderation or we're talking about using them socially, right, a lot of people normalize it. And yes, maybe those things are fine in small quantities or in medium quantities in controlled situations, but they can add up. And I'm not going to sit here and say I don't drink alcohol. I definitely do, socially speaking. But again, just knowing that it's not a necessity, you don't have to go out and drink because everyone else is drinking or necessarily even have to drink just to have a good time. As long as you know that you can have a great time without those things, then that's okay. But the moment that you feel you have to do it or that you feel you need to do it to have a good time or to be a fun person to be around, that's when it becomes, it it starts to affect the way that you see yourself and your self-identity. And those are the things that really matter because if you feel dependent on one of those things, then it becomes that much harder to like who you are every single waking moment of the day. I want to add to that because before when we were in high school, that was the time that we enjoyed drinking and like to go out, hang out and then drink so much until 6 a.m. in the morning and then 7 a.m. still go to school. When we were kids or teenagers, we were able to do that. And then you did that in high school. You did that in high school. Yeah, because in Switzerland, we could drink beer since when we were like 16 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, I in America, you can't until you're 21. So a little bit different for me. (laughs) In Thailand as well, 21. So when I came back to Thailand, I was illegally purchasing drinks. And what I learned is that through those, let's say, six to seven years of drinking and partying, I've learned that it's not necessary at all. I was just trying to connect with friends because I thought that was the only way to connect and get related to them. I am proud to say that I count my drink. Last year, I did six. So I'm reducing my amount of alcohols yearly to see how my body actually react and how my society, my friend circle would react to it as well. At the beginning, when I tell them that, oh, I don't drink, but I can go out, I can go dance with you, I can go for dinner. Then they're going to be like, oh, this is boring. You know, why don't you drink? Let loose a little bit, enjoy. And then I try to explain to them. But I also understand, you know, when you are so used to it and you choose to add your, your lifestyle, right? So now I'm trying to choose more on a healthy diet and healthy way of living because I also get the chance to work closely with a doctor and then I get this research and case study and read about this how negative effect that the alcohol would affect to our brain for now you would not see any symptom but in the future when you turn 60 or 70 years old you might have the health issues which I know In general speaking, we already have some health issues going on in our body, but it accelerates the the possibility of having the illness. So I'm trying to slow that down and able to enjoy in a healthier way. And I'm a living proof that anyone can make the decision to not have to drink and you can say no without feeling guilty. And you don't even have to explain yourself. At the beginning, I always explain myself why. Mm But now it's just like, hey, I don't drink, but, you know, give me some grape juice 
and then put on a white glass. No one would ask me anymore if I'm actually drinking red wine tonight or not. It sucks that you would have to do that, right? Like to get the grape juice, put it in the wine glass so you're not yeah, asked questions. Yeah. But it is a lifestyle choice that I think you should be proud of. Congratulations on Thank you. really <laughs> succeeding at diminishing your usage of alcohol in those situations. And you're right. I don't think it's something that justifies or yeah. requires an explanation. I have friends who are incredible dancers while sober at a party. I mean, I work with this woman who I absolutely adore and she does not drink alcohol. And anytime she's at a party, you would never think that she is completely sober because she dances very wild and she dances like she's the drunkest person in the room. So it really does not matter what your choice is when it comes to alcohol, as long as you are understanding who you are as a person without it, and you are happy with that person. Now, in terms of the situation that you just talked about, for that specifically, you considered alcohol more as a self-harm habit that is an escalation to something larger. So it's something that could turn into something bigger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's because I saw this video. uh, It's called Brain Rehabilitation, I think, if I pronounce it right. And it showed a study of our brain after the CI scan, those who continually drink alcohol or use drugs, the brain function change. You can see it in the pictures. And then the psychologist can relate it to the brain scan because the patient has different behavior as well. So that's why I think that if you really know your limit, then you wouldn't have the trouble that I mentioned. But sometimes you are not the one who in control of the alcohol or the drugs, but you let them control your life. Then the story changed. For sure. There's also, I think, the whole concept of putting other people before you. And the reason I bring that up is because I think that was more of my thing. That was my form of self-harm, I would say. And a couple years ago, I just felt like I was giving away too much of myself. Although I have had a conversation with my dad after that, where he kind of explained a little bit about how he had been feeling the same. So it makes me believe that a lot of people experience this. And it's not just a me thing. It's not just a those of you listening thing. But a lot of people in life give away so much of their time, their energy, their emotions, their responsibilities or their expectations of who they should be to other people. You put all your control in someone else's hands. And when you do that, you lose parts of yourself. You're almost disintegrating the person that you want to be. And that leads to really large issues or not even issues, but large emotions that require more time and attention to just kind of smoothen out. And in doing so, you take away your wants and your needs and your desires that make you truly feel like yourself. And I think that's really one of the factors that can lead to things like depression or anxiety or bitterness. Just withholding emotions within yourself, bottling them up, up until you feel like you don't know whose life you're living. You feel like you're living anyone's life but your own. And that's a really difficult place to be. So I think the earlier that you can start taking back some of that control, or at least recognizing, hey, I'm putting this person first right now. I'm going to do me later. 
and you're making sure to give yourself some time, I think that's what really prevents you from going down this escalation of habits. The whole aspect that you talked about, about how diminishing your usage of alcohol is preventing the escalation of something larger. I think not taking time for yourself is the escalation of something a lot larger. Of course, you also have the reverse side of that where it's not, these are not symptoms that we're talking about when it comes to self-harm. You also have self-harm as the acting out of an issue. Let's say you're doing the forms of bodily harm. You're cutting yourself or maybe you are intentionally bruising yourself or you are eating too less because you feel like you're overweight when really you are just normal. Then those things are also a form of self-harm. And what we're talking about when it becomes an escalation of a larger issue doesn't doesn't take away from the fact that it could also be a symptom. I was thinking when you mentioned about people-pleasing, another thing that I would love to add on is setting boundary. Because we forgot to prioritize who's on the top tire list of your, your life, right? And sometimes you are being nice and people take advantage of you and then all of a sudden you ended up into the routine of pleasing others and not supporting what you want to stand for or what you want to do for yourself. So make sure to set boundaries and prioritize, which we have mentioned in many of our episodes before. Coming back to this again, make me realize that there's a story that I wanted to share. My best friend called me three, four nights ago. She is like the mother of the group. She likes to help everyone, give the best advice and solutions to whoever in trouble. What happened to her was that she called and then she said, why everyone seems to just call me because they need my advice and they never ask me what am I feeling or how do I do recently how how do I feel and how's everything been everyone assumed that her life is amazing it is amazing you know but there's a little moments during the day that everyone go through the emotional roller coaster and then she hoped that someone in our friends group could ask her that too so then I was taking the turn because normally I always go up to her for the past 10 years sharing my story and then asking her okay what's the advice that you would give me and I would make this situation better so I asked her going on what's really on your mind lately and then she said the problem is it's not about myself but it's about everyone who come to me and then they think that I can fix their problems. And I try to fix it and it doesn't turn out the way I want it to be. So what should I do? So I tell her that I think you are addicted to this satisfaction of able to help people. So first off, you have to accept that you are the human being, not some kind of God or angel that able to fix everyone's problems right away. And you are also not a psychologist who understand their behavior and their brains. So I was sharing that with her and I was 
asking her like what would you do if they are not your friends at all there's no relationship between you two and then she said i would ignore it i would actually tell that person that hey i don't want to hear this drama story over and over again you have to fix the situations yourself but she never get a chance to say that you know because she's really cared about the other person but a quick reminder to everyone our listeners that you cannot care for others and harm yourself which is one way of self-harm how i see it right so it is totally okay to go up to another person and say i'm sorry but these issues i have tell you million of times and you don't seem to understand how to fix it so you have to figure things out yourself because otherwise the more you take in those negative drama stories of others it will affect on your mental health and also relationship of your close ones that happened to me too yesterday another friend of mine also was telling me her story and i was trying to think of the solutions that i would able to help her and then i came back home i thought i was not thinking about it at all but i came back home and i feel like oh i feel so exhausted today which is weird i had a great day i met my friend what did i do wrong today so i was like trying to replay back all the timeline of the day and then i figured out ah it's because i open up my energy to these negative stories negative energy field and then it's with me you know everywhere and then in the evening i was having the long session of bata and cleansing myself so it's really really important to set boundaries and don't ever feel bad to to say it upright in front of another person. I'm so glad you shared that story because I really feel like a lot of our listeners will be able to learn from that and I think it puts things into perspective. When it comes to the story you specifically stated, there was a lot of things going through my mind as I was listening. I thought about it from your friend's perspective where she is probably a giver. She's used to listening to people that she loves. She listens to them. She likes to provide advice because I think that's what you do when you love someone. You don't yeah. think in terms of problems you think in terms of solutions if you came to me and i love you and you told me something was going on the first thing i'm going to do is try to figure out how to solve it for you as opposed to someone you don't care about or you don't know right of course you ha- you care you have a fundamental maybe empathy. place of empathy in your heart for other people but it's nowhere near the same extent to other people you hear them you're like oh I'm proud of you for working on that. Good luck figuring it out. But yeah. for the ones you love, it's different. And so she's probably coming from this place of she's always listening, she's giving to her friends, she's giving her time, her energy, her advice, and it's become her natural state of being. So even in your friend circle, you described her as this mother figure. And yeah. that itself says volumes because now even you are seeing her in this image of someone who cares for the group who takes care of the group as a mother would and that is probably the same perception that all her friends have you are not a standalone figure her friends probably think that way too and so all these people are now going to her because they think it's normal that it's okay but until you're verbalizing those things and if she herself feels that she is giving too much and she requires the same reciprocation 
it's hard to reciprocate it when you are classified as the mother figure because now you are given this authority that other people don't feel they have themselves. And that's why it's so one way because there has not been any verbal exchange of, hey, you know, lately I've been listening to a lot of what's going on with you. I think I would really appreciate if I had a listening ear too because I've been feeling XYZ because I've been feeling XYZ. And until you verbalize that first, nobody else knows what's going on with you. As humans, we all want to be understood without having to verbalize it. And it's just not the way that life works. You have to speak up to be understood. And so I think the moment that she chooses to verbalize that she is someone who also requires a listening ear sometimes, that's when the tables turn. But up until then, until she's recognized that as self-harm, then it's really just about what is happening on a consistent basis and there's no reason for it to change. That's one of the most important things about self-harm is until you recognize it, until you verbalize it, until you make a decision to change something about it, it's very hard to break out of that habit that is either escalating into something larger or it's a symptom of something that's happening below the surface level of our emotions, of ourself and our identity. This brings us to a really important question of, is there a larger issue? So for those of you that are listening, is there something that you would classify as self-harm? I want you to pause this podcast or this video and take about five minutes to think about what are some things that are I'm doing that if I did them in the long run, if every day looked like today, what do I feel is going to be A, the impact of this and B, will it escalate into something? Will this cause me to feel resentment? Will it cause me to feel jealousy or depression or anxiety? Am I going to feel sad, disappointed? Am I going to feel like I can't sleep at night? Am I going to have insomnia from it? And when you're talking about the action item, try to identify what emotion it's going to contribute to or what it might mean. This is not to say that you will know what will happen in the future, but it's about getting in tune with your emotions and this journey of evolution that we're always talking about on this episode or on this podcast rather. And as you begin to talk about those emotions and those larger causes, ask yourself also, when did you begin to experience those thoughts and feelings? Are you already experiencing some of those things? And what happened before you had them? Is there something that happened in your life that changed, that caused you to feel that way? And I think those questions are great assessments for understanding where you are in terms of your emotions right now and where you're going. And that's when you have a really great plan for your past, present, and future. Anything you'd like to add, Queen? I was about to ask a lot of questions, but you already have summary everything. <laughs> I'm not going to add anything, but I'm looking forward to, to read the comments, actually. I, I just wonder if everyone is going through the same habits and maybe some of you think that it's all right and it's not the self-harm habit at all. And for those who having clinical self-harm, um, we just want to send you some support, you know. And just remember, we are also a space, a community that we are trying to build that people feel safe, feel um People feel safe, people can share and speak however they feel without judgment to one another, support one another to see the best version of ourselves. 
So hang in there and try your best every day, guys. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you yeah. for tuning in. And as Queen said, we are a community. We're actually opening up a Facebook group. So be sure to go to our Facebook page, Inspire Here, and join that Facebook group. So that way it can really be an open channel of communication between you guys and us if you want to share your stories, if you want to get some advice. Know there's a place where there is a safe space for you to share your stories and get heard, feel seen. And of course, as always, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Stay tuned. You've been listening to Inspire Here. Our passion is to have open, organic, real and raw conversations on everything from philosophy, self-improvement to evolution, helping you to take a deep dive into your introspective mechanics. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope you've gotten something from it. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Inspire Here. Take care, and we'll see you next time on Inspire Here.